Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com, or you're invited to reach out to me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a sector that's certainly been on fire, very popular, and that is the multifamily. You know, the apartment world has just gone crazy. The amount of uh, investment activity has been just off the charts in, uh, last year. It seems to be starting again this year. Um, and, and the rent increases that we've seen in most markets around the country has just been off the charts. I think uh, Atlanta, maybe it was 10% last year. Just, just really crazy numbers. Well, what should we expect moving forward? We have interest rates uh, supposedly are going to rise. Uh, we have inflation issues. Um, we have other issues uh, in, in the economy that are potentially happening. So let's uh, get an idea of where we are and where we might be headed. Please welcome my guest. It's Carl Whitaker. Carl is Director of Research and Analysis with RealPage. Carl, good to see you. Thanks, Michael. Likewise, good to see you too. Man, I wish I was as cool looking as you on video. If you guys are listening <laughs> to this uh, uh, audio, which is most of our audience, you can't see how cool Carl looks and how uh, stick in the mud I look over here. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what, Michael, I'll trade your voice for mine. You've got a great radio voice. <laughs> you're kind, you're kind. Well, uh, Carl, uh, it, you know, the apartment market has been crazy. As you look at kind of how 2021 wrapped up and, and, and you look uh, forward, uh, what jumps out to you? Yeah, it's, it, it's a good question, Michael. And honestly, you're going to see me looking over to the side of my screen throughout the interview. And I've got a cheat sheet of all the record numbers that were set in 2021. And and I say that partially in jest, but I really do want to give credence to just how remarkable performance levels were over the past year. Uh, we saw rent growth uh, approaching 20% year over year across the nation. And that's just the average. So obviously you had some markets that were trending well above that. Uh, occupancy rates are above 97%. And remarkably so, we actually saw occupancy increase from December to January. That's the first time we've ever seen occupancy increase between those months. We're looking at 97.6% occupancy at the start of 2022. I mean, that's just incredible no matter how you slice the data. Uh, and we'll get to some of the specifics of this, of course, but it all just points back to the demand uh, for apartments right now. And if you're looking for a number, 674,000 apartment units absorbed, that beat the previous annual record by, get this, 60%. I mean, just truly wow. incredible numbers across the spectrum in the apartment industry right now. That's just crazy. And you said rents year over year increased 20% on average? We're looking at about 17% in the data that we're tracking. Uh, some markets were above 20%, particularly if you look at those uh, those California adjacent markets and a lot of the Florida markets. Essentially, if you pull up a population map of where everyone moved to, those are the markets that are almost always in the uh, 15 to 20% plus range. But even markets like New York and uh, San Francisco, Seattle, some of those markets that were really challenged 
throughout the past, let's call it 18 to 24 months now, even those markets are starting to see double digit rent growth. So it's really rare to find a market that's, you know, in that typical five to maybe 10% range. What do you see, Carl, for apartment occupancy and rental rate growth in the large cities, uh, central business district, those downtown apartments? Yeah, I think candidly speaking, one of the things that's just really surprised us has been how quick that segment of the market has come back. Uh, we we were of the school of thought that the you know um, the at the onset of the pandemic, a lot of prognosticators were saying that it was going to take ten years for the urban core to rebound. We thought that was going to be a little bit overblown. Uh, you know, we had initially expected maybe a three to five year rebound, but we're looking at most major, uh, like you said, urban core apartment nodes have already got back to their pre-pandemic occupancy rates and uh, pre-pandemic rental rates. So the rebound's been remarkable. And I think when we when we look at what's driving that, some of that's obviously going to be driven by the return to the office. But I think there's a segment of renter that just by nature is going to want to live downtown. They're going to want to be by side bars, restaurants. Uh, you know, they're going to want to be in that close proximity. And that demand never just fully went away. It was just temporarily reallocated, if you will. I see. So they moved away while they could, and now they're starting to move back. But I shouldn't say now starting to. It sounds like they, they have. Yep, they have in a big way. That's crazy. That is really crazy. So what do you expect moving forward? Do you think things should slow down some? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's been an interesting conversation we've had with our clients lately where, you know, we're still forecasting some really excellent rent growth record or maybe not record occupancy, but still solid occupancy. But I think some folks that compare 2022 directly to 2021 are maybe going to be a little bit disappointed. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's just it's going to be hard to mimic exactly what happened in 2021, I think, for the year, for the country overall. We still expect double-digit rent growth. We expect occupancy is going to remain above 96%. And I think we're maybe being a little bit conservative in that regard. I wouldn't be surprised if you average out through the year that occupancy remains above 97% in most major markets. Carl, what would you say to someone who hears that we've had double-digit rental rate growth, that we're expecting it now again in this year, about affordability, about how many tenants can really afford to pay these rents. Yeah, that's a that's been a real hot topic at conferences we've been to, and even some of the data that RealPage tracks. Now, um, there's really two ways to look at this um, this this situation, and I think from the data that uh, RealPage is tracking, keep in mind that we're looking at market rate apartment properties, but we're also looking at market rate apartment renters. I think sometimes when you look at some of these affordability analyses, it's going to be based on apartment uh, or I'm sorry, market rate apartment rental properties, but compared to the entirety of the rental housing income pool. And that's going to include single family rentals, your more mom and pop walk up style properties. And that's going to be a segment of the uh, renter base that's just different than the overall uh, market rate renter segment. So I think overall, some of these affordability challenges are not to say that they don't exist, but maybe a little bit exaggerated. And in fact, the data that RealPage tracks, we saw that a, a rent to income, a median rent to income ratio that is over the past year was about 23%. And that's not too far out of line with what we see the REITs reporting generally in that upper teens to lower 20% range. Yeah, I thought it would uh, be higher than that. 
yeah, again, if you if you apply that number to the overall housing pool or the overall rental housing pool, that number does become higher. But again, you're comparing the market rate apartment properties. It would be like comparing a BMW dealership to the overall uh, loan to value ratio of the entirety of the car ownership pool, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, what about uh, your thoughts, Carl, on uh, impact of inflation on the apartment market? Yeah, and I, I think that's a fair point to bring up. I don't think you can talk about 20% rent growth and say that there isn't some degree of inflation embedded within that. But, uh, you know, when you look at just the fundamentals of housing overall right now, 97% plus occupancy, that's a record. And again, you, you just don't have many available options to move into. So operators are left with some pricing power at the end of the day. Now, clearly inflation is going to have some impact and there are some uh, near-term challenges with construction in particular, how inflation impacts supply costs, uh, wages, and uh, how that impacts the cost of labor. Obviously, that's going to be a consideration, but we're seeing a lot of operational strategies adjust to some of these inflationary measures uh, in, a, in a pretty impressive way. So it's not to say that it doesn't exist, but I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as maybe some folks had feared uh, even three to six months ago. Are operators seeing any uh, impacts on their expenses related to uh, inflation? Any worries? Yeah, inter yeah, interestingly enough, we have some data on um, uh, on expense. Uh, we have expense, some expense data here at RealPage, and one of the components of the expenses is obviously payroll. And one of the things we saw that uh, surprised us was in the first few quarters of the pandemic, there were some really choppy numbers. You had some num uh, some quarters, in fact, at which payroll expenses dropped overall. And I think what you're seeing is actually uh, a shift towards more technology solutions in the industry. And what I mean by that is rather than having four or five leasing agents on site, now you're seeing a lot of that done virtually and you can actually move those uh, jobs off site and not have to pay as much for the for the person to be there on property. In addition to that, you're seeing some more uh, smart solutions for maintenance techs. And even though inflation and wage pressures are happening, you're seeing more efficient operational strategies in place that, again, are helping offset some of those uh, wage pressures and some of the inflationary pressures we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we've certainly seen a lot of demand from investors uh, in the multifamily space, really just record numbers last year, right? Yeah, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but I mean, it's just incredible to see investment volumes. We uh, we saw overall in 2021 almost $350 billion worth of apartments trade, and that was up uh, more than 75, more than 70% from the 2019 number. So even if you compare to a pre-pandemic number and not to the 2020, obviously going to be a little bit compressed number, we're looking at just incredible apartment investment volumes. Yeah, it, uh, we have a multifamily division and, you know, they're they're talking to folks that hey, only, only own a complex two years, but heck, if they've had 10% or more rent rate growth, they've, they have some profit potentially on the table there, don't they? Yep, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of meat left on that bone. Yeah. So what do you expect moving forward on, on cap rates and values? Have you guys kind of looked into that a little bit and the thoughts of, you know, interest rates rising? Is, is there enough demand in the space that... Uh, cap rates could remain as low as they've been? 
Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. And I think we'll all look back in, you know, a year or two from now and say, oh, you know, I wish we would have known now what we didn't know then. But you can always say that when it comes to investments. And I think when we look at just demand from a renter perspective or from a performance perspective, clearly there's enough performance out there or performance strength, I should say, um, to support a lot of investment volume. Uh, I do think it's going to be hard for the pace of investment volume to continue increasing at the rate that it is. So my guess is that we'll continue to see cap rate compression. It's going to be hard to see them compress too much more, I think, in some instances, because it's not uncommon to see even suburban assets in some Sunbelt markets trading at a, you know, a three, three and a half cap now. And obviously there's some uh, concerns there whenever you're talking about that low of a cap rate. But Again, and just in comparison to other investment alternatives, there's, uh, uh, you know, there, there's still, again, some meat on the bone there. We are seeing the 10-year treasury start to increase, and that's obviously going to be the benchmark to which a lot of people compare. But, uh, you know, I think there's still enough of a gap there that apartment investment remains attractive for most folks in the space. Yeah. Well, Carl, what about levels of new supply? Is this inflation issue and labor market slowing down supply any? Surprisingly, in some of the data we showed, we didn't see nearly as many construction delays uh, materialize last year as we had initially feared. That's not to say that that wasn't out there, but you know, in a typical year, you see about 10, maybe 15 percent of all construction pushed back, whether it's permitting, whether it's getting folks on site. And that was pretty much what we saw last year, surprisingly. I think going forward this year, you're going to see slightly more delays. Uh, wage pressures are obviously a little bit more pronounced. Uh, supply chain disruptions, you know, that's just such an accordion effect that when you compress down here, it may not be for another six months to a year before you see that actually happening in the pipeline. So, uh, overall, we're forecasting about 420,000 new uh, multifamily units to deliver this year. That will be a record, by the way. I think it's a question of how many of those do get delayed. But if I had to paint with a broad brush, I would say, let's call it 15, maybe 20% as a worst case scenario. So we still should see 350,000 plus units deliver, uh, again, even under a worst case scenario. Carl, what are some things that could impact uh, rental demand uh, moving forward. And we things have things like um, homes built for rent, right? Big subdivisions of homes. And, you know, we have some people kind of sharing apartments, co-living, things like that. But, but could this demand just keep going? What do you expect? Yeah, I think at the, again, the pace at which demand has exploded over the past year, I think that's going to obviously have to slow down, uh, you know, even at NMHC, annual a couple of weeks ago we had a you know some pretty lively discussions on the build to rent space and you know i think that's still a part of the sector that's still nascent enough that you're not going to see it poach a ton of demand but i do think that there is you know uh, some trends to watch there in terms of how much of that demand go, uh, is you know taken from a, uh, your traditional multifamily properties going forward but that's going to take a while to get enough mass to really steal enough demand uh, you know, we've even had some discussions on the single family market as interest rates are expected to rise, as you pointed out uh, earlier in the discussion. As those interest rates rise, does that actually keep some folks in the rental housing pool for maybe a little bit longer uh, as those single family home uh, loans start to continue to increase? So there's a lot of questions out there on that demand pool, but I do think that demographics 
if you look at just the holistic of the, the U.S. demographic makeup, I think it is supportive for continued strong demand for at least the next five and probably even 10 years. Well, good. Well, I'm doing the Snoopy dance over here. <laughs> That's good news. Well, Carl, what would you leave our audience to think about for the multifamily world moving forward? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's an interesting time in a lot of spaces. I think something for folks that are maybe more on the operations side is again take into account how some of these technology solutions uh, can maybe help offset some of the changes and challenges we're seeing in the world now. And you know, I'm certainly not a salesperson for the company, but I do think that there are some interesting solutions out there to help save on cost, whether they're environmental solutions, whether they're uh, you know technology solutions to. Uh, help again offset some of those labor uh, shortages. Uh, it's just it's an interesting time to be in the space, and I think it's going to be really neat to watch over the next two to let's call it five years to see how the industry continues to evolve. Yeah, yeah, I think it uh, is good times. Great, Carl. Thanks for joining us, sir. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Always a pleasure. Thanks, y'all. All right. Yeah, and check out uh, realpage.com uh, for all their tools and, and resources and, and more information uh, from Carl on the market there. So thank you for joining us around the country. Uh, thank you for uh, rating the show and thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for commenting and, uh, and please do join us on your favorite social media. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert-level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.